I invite you to join in our opening song this morning with Johnny, Sarah, and Tom leading us. We tell stories to each other to while away the day. We tell stories to each other to keep the night at bay about life and death and love and hate as much as we recall we tell stories to each other that is all so spin me another one just like the other one spin me and show me the writing on the wall we are dancers romancers answering the call other that is all we tell stories to each other explaining history we tell stories to each other singing mysteries shine a light into the darkness shadows dance and fall we tell stories to each other that is all so Spin me another one, just like the other one. Spin me and show me the writing on the wall. We are dancers, romancers, answering the call. We tell stories to each other, that is all. We tell stories to each other that people want to hear. The devils and the angels dancing in our hair. We tell stories to each other of reason and of rhyme. Happy ever after, once upon a time. So spin me another one, just like the other one. Spin me and show me the writing on the wall. We are dancers, romancers, answering the call. We tell stories to each other, that is all. We tell stories to each other, that is all. This month we explore the theme of curiosity and for much of the month we will tell stories to each other in playful ways in connecting ways this week we tell stories we explore curiosity in a way that is about witnessing about refusing to look away from what is hard in the world and so I begin this morning with a poem from Thich Nhat Hanh titled, Call Me By My True Names. Do not say that I'll depart tomorrow because even today I still arrive. Look deeply. I arrive in every second to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with wings still fragile 
learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, in order to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that are alive. I am the mayfly metamorphosing on the surface of the river. I am the bird which, when spring comes, arrives in time to eat the mayfly. I am the frog swimming happily in the clear pond, and I am also the grass snake who, approaching in silence, feeds itself on the frog. I am the child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks, and I am the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I am the 12-year-old girl refugee on a small boat who throws herself into the ocean, and I am the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I am a member of the Politburo with plenty of power in my hands, and I am the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people, dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom in all walks of life. My pain is like a river of tears, so full it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names so I can hear all my cries and laughs at once, so that I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names so I can wake up and so the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. Welcome this morning to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Amanda Poppy. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm honored to serve as the clergy leader here. We are so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you are in the room or joining us on Facebook. We're glad you're here. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we can particularly welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We do enjoy talking about why this community is important to us, but we would really love to hear what it is that you are looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform service for coffee in the lobby and the social hall, and that you'll consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet that you can pick up if you haven't already at the welcome table. You can drop that sheet in the collection basket when it passes later in our platform service. I want to remind you to silence your electronic devices this morning so you can be fully present. While you have them out, you can check in on social media and let folks know that you're here. Invite them to join you next time. And now I'd like to invite Rajesh Vidyasagar to come and read our statement of purpose. Rajesh is a member of the Community Relations Committee, um, which has created a new Community Relations Pact, and they're inviting member engagement. And he's been away for the last few weeks, so wasn't with the team last week when they presented it. I'm grateful, however, for all that he and the other members of the committee have put into that pact.
monastic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each other's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all boundaries. As Rajesh lights our candle, I invite you to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the fight of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Before we ring our chime, I have some housekeeping. Are there no ushers today? There are not. There were a couple folks signed up. Okay, so wonderful, Emily. Could you go and get the baskets just so that we'll be prepared? And I know that folks will leap to their feet to help when we get to collection. But I thought perhaps we should notice that earlier rather than later. And we will hope that the folks who signed up have traveling mercies and are well this morning um, as we miss them. Each week we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today in particular, we hold in our hearts all who have uh, experienced, survived, or lost family members in genocide. This is Yom HaShoah, a week of remembrance for the Shoah or the Holocaust. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and to the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. Make yourself comfortable in your seat. If you'd like to close your eyes or focus and soften your gaze, focus on the floor in front of you. Find a way for your body to have the most comfort in the seat. Breathe in and out. Breathe in 
and out. When we witness hard truths around us, when we refuse to look away, we must begin with our own grounding. And so I invite you to continue breathing deeply and fully. Fill the air as it fills your lungs and as you let it go. Notice how your own body moves as you breathe in and out. Your chest and stomach moving. Your shoulders, perhaps. Bring your attention to your breath and your body. Moving just as it knows how as you inhale and exhale. Notice the parts of your body that hold tension. Send compassion to them. The parts that hold pain, send compassion. Breathing in and out, feel the waves of compassion for yourself, filling up this room and stretching beyond our walls. I invite you to stay in this space of breath and body in our silence.
Sarah, thank you so much for weaving that spell. Sarah is a new member, a relatively new member of WES. She and her husband, Philip, joined, and they are both um, concert musicians, which is very nice for us. <laughs> Indeed, we are fortunate at WES to have so many members who um, have passions and expertise and um, beautiful and deep values that they bring to us. And this morning, we are really um, privileged to have K.O. Gamber speaking um, for our platform. K.O. is an associate professor at George Washington University and a 20-year member of WES. And most specifically for this morning, she is an acclaimed international scholar of Holocaust studies. I am so um, honored to have you speaking this morning, K.O. Thank you. Good morning. As we remember the Holocaust today, I would like to contemplate the world, worlds evoked by one poem. It is a seemingly simple poem, six lines in length, 25 words in total. The longest word is seven letters. The speaker of the poem is Eve. While she clearly is the biblical Eve, the mother of the first family of men, of humankind, the title of the poem reveals that she has been moved into modern times. The title of the poem is Written in Pencil in the Sealed Railway Car. The pencil and the rail car both are two markers of modernity. Given that what was written was written in pencil, we realize that whatever was written is fragile. It can be erased with ease. We also recognize there is something ominous about these words because they were authored by someone who was confined to a rail car. In addition, the title signals to us that the poem is a found object and the person who found the poem wants to contextualize how and where this poem was found. With a sense of dread, we may wonder, is this sealed railway car a cattle car, a cattle car used during the Holocaust? The author of Written in Pencil in the Sealed Railway Car is Dan Pagus. Pagus was a Holocaust survivor who was 11 when along with his grandparents, he was forced onto a train, taken from his home in Romania to a labor camp in Germany. For survivors, that journey in the rail car is a marked memory. When they were forced into cattle cars, 60 to 100 people, sometimes even 200 people, they wondered, what is happening here? Why are we in cars with no seats? 
Why are there so many of us here in this car? Where are we going? And then, as Fritzi Fritzall recalls, the door of the car was closed. Fritzi heard the sound of a lock being fastened, and she says, it was then she knew something was terribly wrong. The journey on these cars took hours, days, even weeks. During that time, the doors were not opened. There was no food or water, except for what little people may have packed. In the summer, the travelers suffered from extreme heat. In the winter, extreme cold. There was one small window that provided a bit of air. Sometimes there were so many packed in the car, the air was inadequate, and some of the people suffocated to death. The small window also provided the only means of trying to determine where they were going. However, as Abraham Bomba reveals, the signs they saw had no meaning for them. He remembers seeing a sign that said Treblinka, but adds, we had never heard of Treblinka, and thus those on his transport wouldn't have known they were being sent to an extermination camp. Finally, survivors recall the two buckets. Often when the journey began, they were given two buckets. One was filled with water, the other was empty. As the hours and days passed, they soon, soon learned what the buckets were for. There were no bathroom facilities. The buckets became their toilet. The smell was overwhelming, and the buckets overflowed. Holocaust scholar Terence Dupre refers to these conditions imposed by the overflowing buckets as excremental assault. What he makes clear is that this assault and all of the other conditions in the cattle cars were purposeful. It wasn't an accident that those in the cars should be dehumanized by being made to squat over a bucket, be dehumanized by the smell, be dehumanized by being made to wade in feces, urine, and vomit. This excremental assault was an assault on their humanity, an assault that was meant to ensure they were a broken people before they even arrived at their destinations. It is in these conditions of psychological and physical horror that Eve authors her poem, a poem that is open to a variety of readings. Here in this carload, I am Eve, with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I... Here in this carload, I am Eve, with 
Abel, my son, if you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I, Here, in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I hear in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I hear in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I Here in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I... Here in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him, tell, tell him that, that I. As these performances of the poem reveal, the poem is open to many interpretations. Eve may have been interrupted. Her pencil broke. She lost her pencil, the pencil was taken from her. Or the train arrived, the locked door opened, and she was met with rouse, rouse, schnell, schnell, repeated loud instructions to get out of the car and to do so quickly. Or Eve may be reassuring herself, I know who I am, I know where I am, I know who I am with. I know who I want to send a message to, and I want him to know, I know who I am, I know where I am, I know who I am with, I am holding myself together. Or Eve may be caught in a cycle of uncertainty and fear every 10 seconds, the time it would take to recite the six lines is its own eternity to be relived again and again. There is no conclusion to this shattering moment that is to be experienced over and over in an endless loop. Or Eve may be desperate. I am uncertain about what is happening here, but I need to do something. I need to speak out. I need to try to leave a message. I need to testify to my situation and that of my son, Abel. I need to try to reach Cain. Perhaps Eve may be bereft, so bereft, that words fail her because humanity has failed her. She is thinking about her immediate situation I am Eve here in this car. I am listening to babies crying with thirst. I hear people going mad. 
I smell the terrible stench of the buckets and of fear. I saw someone die today and another person sit on her body because now there is a bit of extra space. I don't know what to say to my son. She also is thinking about what has happened to her people. Who are we that this should have happened to us? Who are we that no one is saying no? Who are we that no one is stopping the trains, forcing open the doors to let us breathe, to let us live? I want to return to an earlier comment I made. The author of the poem is Dan Pagus. Pagus was a Holocaust survivor who was 11 when along with his grandparents, he was forced onto a train taken from his home in Romania to a labor camp in Germany. Of the three of them, only Pagus would survive. Thus, it is noteworthy that Pagus actively chooses to speak from the point of view of a woman. Not only does Pagus choose to speak from a woman's point of view, he also emphasizes a mother's place of suffering during the Shoah. Moreover, it isn't solely Eve's suffering in the train that captures our attention. The poem also is riveting because Pagus chooses to tie the first murder to the murder of six million Jewish people. This is a bold move. He clarifies that our humanity has always been tied to our inhumanity. One of the members of the first family committed the first murder. Cain embodies our capacity to turn on another human being, a brother, and murder him. When God looks on Abel's offering with favor and disdains that of Cain, Cain's response is visible. In fact, God asks Cain why he looks both angry and downcast. Cain is filled with a multitude of emotions. He is angry with God and jealous of his brother. He is also disappointed and frustrated that he failed. He has failed to find favor and he is sorely disappointed in himself. In his state of emotional rage and turmoil, he invites his, his brother into the field and there he smites him. And thus begins what will become humanity's uninterrupted history of murder. There are tantalizing discussions that can be offered about the mark of Cain. That is how Cain both carries the mark that he is a murderer while the very same mark protects him from those who might seek revenge on him. There also are potential discussions about what it means that Cain lived on in exile from God, a fugitive and wanderer who eventually marries and has children. However, I would like to return us to the poem itself. And in particular, I would like to reemphasize Pegasus' choice to speak from the point of view of a woman, of a mother, who potentially is writing her last words. The title of the poem is offered as written in pencil in the 
sealed railway car and as written in pencil in a sealed railway car. It if, if it is the car, the moment is singular. If it is a cattle car, the moment is universalized. Any given transport might have been 10 cars long. In any given car, there could have been 15 to 100 eaves, all attempting to speak. Both titles have merit. However, it is the, most univer the more universal title that might give us pause. Here in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, here my son. Carload, if I you am see Eve my other son, son, here in this carload, I am Eve with Abel, my son. Carload, I am Eve with Abel, son of man. If you see my son of man, if you see my son, son of man, tell him that I am Eve here with Abel, my son. If you see my other son, tell him that I am Eve my other son. I am Eve, I am Eve. Tell him that I am Eve. I am son of man. I am Eve. Eve. The title of the poem indicates there is a desire to contextualize the poem. Here is the instrument used to write the poem. Here is where the poem is written. Here is the one eve or the many eaves. And then the poem itself asks that we bear witness to the speaker. While the grounding of the poem is biblical, God is markedly absent. She is not calling out to God. She calls out to us to become her witness, to contemplate who is she? What is she asking of us? What message should we convey? What does she want to say to her son? It also is a point of interest that she does not address her message to Adam. She addresses her message to Cain, perhaps because in these last moments, this relationship is the one she needs to confront and attempt to resolve. As I muse about her message, I imagine Eve wants to say, if you see Cain, please tell him that I love him. Or if you see Cain, please tell him I forgive him. Even if her message remains incomplete, we are witness to that incomplete effort. We are asked to hear her and to acknowledge her unbearable pain. Even if her message remains incomplete, we are asked to intuit what it might be. We are asked to try to figure out what she wanted to say. 
Even if her message is incomplete, we all become responsible to witness for her and to act on her behalf. We are asked, if at all possible, to intervene. Here, in this annex, I am Anne Frank. Here, on this fence post, I am Matthew Shepard. Here, with Lana Tisdale, I am Brandon Tina. Here in this police van, I am Freddie Gray. Here by this riverbed, I am Juana Raimundo. We have a moral and an ethical responsibility to hear and to respond when we hear someone call out, I am. We are witnesses who are called upon to remember Eve, to remember Anne Frank, age 16, buried in a mass grave at Bergen-Belsen in Northern Germany. Matthew Shepard, 22 years old, a gay student at the University of Wyoming, beaten, tortured, and left to die, died tied to a fence post in Laramie, Wyoming. Brandon Tina, 21 years old, a trans man, raped and murdered in Humboldt, Nebraska. Freddie Gray, a 25-year-old black man, who died while in police custody for possessing what the police alleged was an illegal knife. Juana Raimundo, 25 years old, a professional nurse and coordinator of CODECA, a human rights organization of indigenous farmers, found dead, her body showing signs of torture by a riverbed in Guatemala. We are witnesses who are called upon to speak for Eve, Anne, Matthew, Brandon, Freddie, and Juana. We are witnesses with agency who are called upon to act, to be the ones who would intervene, stop the train, and unlock the door.
I want to invite us all to take a breath together. Thank you, K.O. and our readers for inviting us to witness this morning. And Sarah, thank you for the music that wraps around us. This is the time in our platform service when your voices may be added to those already shared. And so I invite you, if you would like to share something that resonated, something you'll take with 